0: I like the city, I've been browsing Treading water they drown. My head on a swivel, yeah It's only really my
1: surroundings
0: Hello and welcome to episode 159 of the Smash Accept podcast. I'm your host, Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at dynastydadff. Guys, we got a great show. We have a phenomenal guest lined up. But before we do that, I want to introduce my co-host as always. Mung, how you doing tonight, brother? Hey,
2: I'm great. I'm getting pumped. ball season is way underway. Uh, SFB 13 is starting soon. And we have a great guest tonight. So it's, it's a great day.
0: I know. Before before we jump in, I really want to get this. We have a Scott Fishbowl giveaway. You know, we're all talking about SFB 13. What we did was I took, um, my kids actually picked out, we had a, a setup there of 91 names. I mean, you guys all just came out in droves. We can't put 91 on our, our wheel here. So what we ended up doing was my, my kids picked out two each. So we randomized it. We went with, you know, there, there are eight names here. So without further ado, we're going to pick out our Scott Fishbowl winner here. Super excited for any of you guys to get a chance here. It is gonna be Cody underscore chips. So congratulations, Cody! Uh, super excited for you. You know, welcome to the Scott Fishbowl, and I will you know send a message here. So tonight's guest. Without further ado, you know he's he's been on the podcast before, multiple years ago. He is a dynasty content creator at Destination Devi Trades and Five podcast. You know one of the most brilliant names when it comes out there to talking dynasty trades, and that's my man Scott Connor. How you doing tonight?
1: I'm good guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, I, I do remember our show. I think it was like twenty nineteen. Maybe maybe summer 2020. I can't remember exactly, but it was a
0: while ago. It was so long ago. It was summer 2020. I just looked it up. It was like episode seven. So if you guys want to go back and like, if I have to listen to it, I'll probably cringe, you know, because we really evolve over that time. You know what I mean? And it's been great to see you blow up in the space. Since that time, um, why don't you tell the listeners if, if they've been hiding under a rock, all the things that you've been working on. I mean, I see you on Destination Debbie. I see you. You're a Trades in Five blowing up like crazy, especially on YouTube. So why don't you tell listeners what you've been working on?
1: Yeah, I mean, appreciate everybody uh, that's tuning in. If you haven't followed me before or found any of my work, those are the two places. So I am pretty much, I uh, was brought on to Destination Debbie about a year ago and have essentially kind of been tasked with being, uh, I guess you could say like their, their lead in dynasty content. So I started the first like dynasty only podcast at destination. Devi. Uh, and I mean, I'll give props to Ray, uh, Ray Garvin, who created destination. Debbie. He has a vision for destination. Devi. He has expanded, not just the brand, but also like the way he's played dynasty. I've actually known Ray for longer than almost anybody back in 2018. Um, uh, Shout out to anybody that watches on YouTube. Uh, Both Ray and I were the original guests on the Fantasy Flock Network, and that's where I met Ray. And we didn't really collaborate, but, you know, we talked and whatnot. But I've seen his process evolve over time of becoming, you know, a former college player that was a film guy to now a dynasty savant, like somebody that understands A lot of the stuff that goes into building rosters, it's not just players, it's a whole level of strategy that goes into it. So we've latched on and that's essentially what we're building at Destination Debbie is a community of dynasty thinkers. Not picking players, not watching film, not just kind of following the herd, but becoming a thinker. And you should leave a lot of our content going, all right, maybe you don't have the exact answer but I know how to think to get the answer. So when I have that question the third time, I don't need to ask it anymore. Yeah. It's essentially the, that's what I try to do with that content. And then also trades in five, we are trying to teach people to think because there's so much in dynasty. We're getting to a point and maybe we'll talk about this a little bit. We're getting to a point where there is so much content. There's so much information that the only thing that really is ambiguous when it comes to dynasty now is just the variance that exists in the game of football itself. Mm-hmm. To sit there and say, man, I'm just better at scouting players and drafting rookies and stuff like that, it it's not an edge. The real edge is exploiting formats, exploiting leagues, exploiting settings that other people maybe just aren't flexible with. But I think the bigger thing is just the psychology of the league you're in. You're playing your opponents like part of the part of the game is you have to communicate. You have to trade like that is a big component. And that is not something that comes naturally to a lot of people, but it takes some thinking. You got to be able to think if you can't think you're going to lose a lot of the edges. You're not going to be able to grind some of the small things that still exist because telling me I can pick players better than you. And then I know how they're going to go out and perform this next season to who scores more fantasy points. That's just random. It's literally random. So, yeah, I think we're just creating a culture of new dynasty players and new dynasty minds. At least that's what I pride myself on.
0: I love that because I I know when when we did that podcast three years ago, even I listened to my I rarely go back and listen, but I listen to a lot of the things because I want to learn. And we get to that area. And right now, like in our Patreon, people just ask questions, player X or player Y. That's not all there is. You know, it's like hey, give me the details. What's the format? What's your goal? You know, we talk a lot. Hear about top three, bottom three, trying to put ourselves in a position to you know either win it all or get ourselves towards that one on one, and a lot of different philosophy goes into it. It's not just literally looking at this player or that player. And we're going to talk about that in depth when we get to some of those trades Mung. that's something that, that, you know, you and I have really tried to hammer home over the years is really making sure knowing your league mates, making those trades. And I have so many people message me and they're like, Hey, I, I made two trades last year, you know, like, Whoa, you know, you got it in order to win in dynasty, you got to be making trades. You got to get yourself, even if it's 10% better on a trade, you get yourself in a position for, to win those championships.
2: Right. And well, to Scott's point, you know, communication is so important, not just for Dynasty, but everything in life, right? Work, um, transactions, whatever you're doing. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten trade offers. And in my head, I'll be like, man, this is a trash offer. I I don't even know where to start. But I would never say to someone, you know, I've gotten messages where like this offer sucks or we're not even close here. You know, tone Mm -hmm. is important. It's about building relationships. And even though You might not want to throw in a third round rookie pick or something to get a deal done. If it helps, you know, that's that's another dynasty GM that down the line, you have now strengthened that bond and maybe they'll throw you a deal back at some point in the future. Right. Those small transactions matter. And also, again, just so, so important, the tone of what you're saying, whether it's on Twitter, in real life, emails, whatever it is.
0: Absolutely. I love that. And we talk about that all the time. So tonight we're going to talk about, you know, I put a tweet out today talking about building blocks and rebuilding blocks for your dynasty teams. And tonight we're going to really focus in on the wide receiver position. Scott, you know, a lot of people message me right now and they're like, hey, I got the 105. I'm thinking about taking Justin Jefferson. How hard should we be balking on that that type of thought philosophy? I mean, the, the super flex position, people keep moving Jefferson up farther and farther where they're taking him above Jackson, above Herbert, above Fields. How early should we consider Jefferson and Chase in our startups? And how do you look at the wide receiver position from a startup philosophy?
1: Yeah, I mean, when I saw this question and you asked it, it's kind of interesting to me because if you would have asked me this six months ago, I would have said, man, if I'm in a startup, especially if I'm subject to just a snake draft startup, it's hard for me to take a receiver at 105, 106, really all the way to like the end of the first round because of the quarterbacks that are available. Now, I am starting to think about it a little bit more from the perspective of you can't look at trade value and startup value the same, because obviously when you make a startup pick, you still have an entire draft Mm -hmm. to either move your picks around, but also shape how you're going to build your roster. And so we get this question a lot, man, I'm in this startup draft. Uh, I've been advocating for years, try to trade up and get the second elite quarterback. The problem is you find yourself in a draft where eight people are also trying to do that. And so then the first nine or 10 picks of the draft just are all quarterbacks and you haven't mm-hmm. been able to get a second one. So then the question is, okay, how do you separate yourself from the nine other people that are clearly taking the same type of build that you are? Mm-hmm. How do you zag when it's a, a room full of people? Let, let's say you get dealt the one eleven. You really don't want to just take the 11th quarterback because you're just yep. chasing the same thing everyone before you has done. So you have to find a way to separate yourself. So I think if you're going to consider it, it it isn't for me or either of you to say Jefferson is worth less than Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson, Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson, pick your tiers. People will argue with me all day, all night. Oh man, I can't take Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or Deshaun Watson over Chase or Jefferson. Fine. You know what? There's some people that will go, I would do that all day. There's existing leagues where if you didn't have a quarterback, you might have to trade one of those guys for one of those players, and you would do it because there's no other access to get a good quarterback. But if you're going to do it in a startup, I don't even care where it is. You need to have a plan with your team. If you just go, I think Justin Jefferson's the best receiver in the league. I'm just going to take him. But you don't really have a plan of how you're going to build around him. Your roster construction is going to end up bad, and you're Mm -hmm. probably going to end up in a place where you're in no man's land because you draft a couple players that are too good where you're not able to tank and get the top two or three quarterback next year. And guess what you have to do to probably fix your roster construction. Hey guys, I, I'm looking to get a quarterback. All right. You willing to trade Justin Jefferson and, and you're right back to where you started. Yeah. So you got to pick a lane. Like if you said, Hey, I'm taking Anthony Richardson over Justin Jefferson or Jamar chase. A lot of people would say, man, that's risky. But if your plan was, all right, I'm going to go Anthony Richardson at the 110 when nine quarterbacks went ahead of me, then I'm going to double down and take Kyler Murray at the two Oh three. And then I'm going to suck this year and take Caleb Williams or Drake may next year. Guess what? You probably have two elite quarterbacks in some form or fashion. And you've given yourself the shot at having maybe three, but at least you had a plan. I bet you, if you end up with three top 12 quarterbacks next year, you can probably go trade for a receiver or a receiver and a first, but at least you had a plan. If it doesn't work, It doesn't work. But to the opposite end, you could go chase Jefferson. And then I'm going to try to find a way to get quarterback. I mean, we saw it last year. Teams that went to elite quarterbacks, but those two elite quarterbacks were Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson. Guess what? Those teams didn't win. And I bet you they probably looked at a couple teams that made the playoffs and go, damn, how'd that guy beat me with Jared Goff and Geno Smith? Now, the problem is we're in a new year now. Go try to find the... Good value, Jared Goff and Geno Smith of this year. And that's how you're going to build your QB room. Can I excite you with like an Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr QB room? That could work. It could also leave you in a spot next year where my quarterbacks suck, my team sucks. And I think both of you probably know if you have Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson or Jared Goff, are they really moving the needle if you want to go try for an elite quarterback? Not at all. Is that guy that has Burrow that is willing to trade him, does he really value that Jared Goff you're willing to give him as a throwback, or is he probably looking for higher-end assets in that trade? So you got to pick your lane in a startup. That's why I kind of feel like if I can get the elite quarterbacks, I'll do it. If you're going to punt, you just have to have a plan of how you're going to attack it, and it's a little riskier, I think.
0: Yeah, I'm totally with you there. I mean, the reason what we've been talking about, and we did a couple of podcasts with Dynasties Old time where we were going over over that startup strategy, just like you said, trying to get those two elite quarterbacks early. But you look at, you know, taking Jefferson over one of those guys. I mean, when you look at you're at the 105, let's say. You have a choice. You have Herbert there. Waddle, you know, Wilson, Amon Ross, St. Brown are falling to that 208, right? But if you take Justin Herbert or you take Jefferson at 105, you're getting maybe Dak Prescott maybe Kyler Murray keeps slipping, but again, to your point, got to have a plan there, you know, and that's the kind of way to go about there. I know we were talking backstage a little bit about, you know, and I said something about Jefferson. You have Chase as your wide receiver one, definitely splitting hairs, but can you tell the listeners why you do have that? Because that right now there's starting to be a little bit of a separation where you can you can get a little bit, you know, last year, pretty much neck and neck. Now you're starting to see a little bit of a separation between Jefferson and Chase.
1: Yeah. I think it's a little bit of projection. I mean, they're the only two receivers that have averaged 20 points per game in their first two years. Obviously Jefferson's done it for three, pretty much. I mean, when you add them together, he's pretty much right around that range. So they've both hit marks to where, I don't know if your audience is familiar with it, but we've been talking a lot about war or warp data, which is essentially Mm -hmm. like above replacement at your position. Yeah. And that Mark, that 20 points per game Mark. Yes. There's a lot of good receivers, you know, like A.J. Brown is a great receiver. He's averaged over 17 points for his career. But, like, those two guys are 15% better than him. And that is Absolutely. truly making a difference in your lineup. Versus if you're telling me I'm going to get the wide receiver 7, it's, a li- it's above replacement, but it's closer to the wide receiver 20 than the wide receiver 1 and the wide receiver 7 are. So yeah. there is a big gap. So I think the fact that you have these two guys, they're both 24 and under, They've done it in their first years right away. It's splitting hairs. Jefferson's been slightly better, but I think you can also look at Jefferson and say, you know what? He's never had another great receiver playing next to him. Now he's got Jordan Addison. He's got TJ Hawkinson. Maybe has some questions at quarterback. I mean, listen, people don't like Kirk Cousins, but historically is one of the most efficient quarterbacks ever. And more importantly, one of the most efficient quarterbacks for feeding receivers points. I'm a big believer in, at least this is what the data says, quarterback efficiency creates fantasy points for the receivers, not the other way around. Now, you have to have a prerequisite level of talent to put up fantasy points as a receiver. We know a lot of those metrics, market share percentage, yards per route run, air yard share, like a lot of those things kind of are sticky when it comes to who are good receivers and who aren't. But then you slap those good receivers with super efficient quarterbacks. That's when you get the magic, right? That's where you get the difference between CD Lamb with Dak Prescott and DJ Moore. Without knowing those two things, they're essentially the same player. But one has had what? Never an efficient quarterback, and one has always had like a top 12 quarterback. So they're not a big difference, except for the fact they're situations. So then you look at Chase, you're like, man, he's probably going to be tied to Burrow for a long time. Mm hmm. And then you look at his numbers when Higgins either is out or he had those two games last year where he played, but they were like one snap and seven snaps, and he actually didn't play. But you look at his market share when Higgins isn't there, it's like 35%. You know, he's getting everything. So it's kind of like it could you see a little bit of, you know, that Addison comes in and is just a little bit of a thorn in Jefferson's side in terms of he maybe levels off, but there's still this range of outcome where. You know, if I told you a receiver could have a 2,000-yard season and 15 touchdowns, that's probably not Jefferson, especially if they try to go with a different quarterback. Even if it's a quote-unquote better NFL quarterback, if it's a rookie, it's probably not better for fantasy for at least the first year. So I just think there's a a higher ceiling with Chase, but I mean – what is a higher ceiling when Jefferson's already put up, you know, 400 point seasons, you know, like it, you're splitting hairs. I just think he's got a slightly higher ceiling. You could see like one of those Calvin Johnson seasons from chase where it's like, damn, he just had 120, 1815 15 touchdowns. And it's like, I never saw that coming, but you probably should have, you know, it's like, it's in the range of outcomes. So I, it's splitting hairs. I would just, if I'm picking them and I'm taking a receiver, I think I'd go chase.
0: Yeah, I love that. I mean, they're they're very similar in there. When you look at things, I was looking up on Fantasy Pros, similar to what you were saying. If you're doing value based drafting, you're looking at you know values over replacement player. So the guys that we're looking at picking up off waivers, Justin Jefferson, his, his VORP is 171, Chase is 163, and there's really not anybody else that's in that age bracket that's close. I mean, you know, like CD Lamb's in that 129 range, AJ Brown all the way down at 95. So there is a huge gap if you can get these guys. You know, a lot of people come to me when they're doing rebuilds and they're trying to buy Jefferson and buy Chase. And it's just like being able to invest in that makes it very difficult. Um, Mung, I know we've gone back and forth on the on the Chase and Jefferson thing. Anything to add there before we start breaking into some trades with these two players?
2: Yeah, just a couple of quick points. One, this is, again, why we talk about tiers. Right. If you're saying I I have Jefferson as the one A, but Chase is the one B, if you're willing to give me a second and something else on top, you know, sure. I'll make that swap because I think they're in that same tier. And again, to Scott's point, you know, if you're going to try and project a year out, right. Minnesota looks like they're trying to contend right now. And if that doesn't work, they might hit the reset button. Um, If cousins is indeed gone, you have that one year rookie, probably lag year for Jefferson, where they're not going to be quite as efficient. And then also just looking at contract situations, right. Are the Bengals really going to pay T Higgins 20 million a year? when they're about to pay Joe Burrow 50 million a year? And would they rather spend that money elsewhere? So there is a, a very possible scenario where Chase is the sole alpha in Cincinnati, like we've seen from Jefferson over the last couple seasons, going forward into 2024 after this coming season.
0: So I'm going to go over some trades here, uh, Scott and Mung. We're just going to break them down. With this one, these are trades for Jefferson, but I want to talk about it either it's more philosophy-wise if it's Jefferson or Chase. You know, So the first one I want to look at is, it's, it's Chris Alave in a 24-second for Justin Jefferson in a 25-third. Now, that 25-third shouldn't even be in there. What kind of separation? You know, we see this that year two guys that had that phenomenal rookie season. You know, your, your Chris Alave's, your Drake London's, your Garrett Wilson's. What kind of value difference do you guys see trying to move from those guys, you know, who everyone wants to be the next Justin Jefferson, what kind of value difference would you be? So if they came to you, Scott, and you have Justin Jefferson, how much more do you need on top of a Chris Olave?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it kind of goes back to even if you're talking about the guys that you're trying to project where Olave could get to, it's a decent bet after his rookie year. I mean, he basically finished top 15 in all of the usage categories you would look for. So mm-hmm. like, he checks all the boxes. But I think a lot of times we make mistakes with young players and say, well, they did this so early on that they just have to exponentially get better. And how many receivers have we said, oh, man, they were so good as a rookie. And then all of a sudden we steam them up into the top five or six. And then you go, well, they were probably more just like wide receiver 10, 12. Doesn't mean they're bad. They're they're just not they're not encroaching that. 18, 19, 20 points per game. They're just not because you know why that's a really hard range to get to. You got to be somebody that can score touchdowns. You got to be able to be somebody that gets air yards, yards after the catch. And you also have to be the, the prototype of receiver where in a given game, like the, I'm a Bengals fan, so maybe I'm a little biased on Chase, but the games where Higgins isn't there, it's just, it doesn't even matter who covers him. Like he's right. the first read and he'll, he'll just get, you know, 11 catches. And it just, so he can be that okay, man, he's not going deep this game, but like he'll just go 11 for 120, you know, and then the next game he can go six for 200. So he has both in his repertoire and there's a couple other guys that kind of have one or the other, like Jalen Waddle's a guy that really surprisingly for his, you know, for his career doesn't have a lot of air yards. He's a guy that's probably going to rely on some volume. And you saw that when Tyreek got there, like Tyreek's can do everything, but he's better at the one thing that Jalen Waddle specializes at. So he falls a little bit. So it's it's kind of looking at, like, where can Alave go from here? Probably right where he is, yeah. which is a top 12 receiver. But if you're telling me I have to pay top three or four prices, which is what you're paying in this trade because you're only getting a second, give me the Jefferson side. I'll just yeah. bet against Alave hitting any higher than what he was last year. He ends up a top 12 receiver. But if you're telling me I have to pay wide receiver four prices for him, fade.
0: you know, yeah, my, absolutely. I, that, well, a lot of people look at, they see you know, that there, there's that stat out there that he had a plus 80, you know, PFF grade over a 22% target share. And that's just a, in his rookie year that there's only a couple guys that have done that. It's Beckham, Evans, Chase, Jefferson, Wilson, and Alave. That's it. You know, and then like people look at that and they're like, oh, he's the next guy there. And like you, to your point, we talk a lot about insulated trades. So trying to move off a player that we think is going to, to break out. But I feel like, this this particular trade, I mean, we're talking about an early first separation in value for me between Alave and Jefferson, if not more. Mung, what, what are you thinking in that area? Because if you're trying to move off Jefferson and Chase, which to be absolutely frank, you know, I've been looking at bulletproof.com. And I mean, I saw 16 trades getting rid of Justin Jefferson in the last week. Now, I know there's tons of leagues out there, but like trying to buy him in your league almost feels impossible. When people are going out there, they want four firsts. And plus.
2: Right. I'm with you guys. I would need a first on top of a lave as well. And for two reasons. Right. There's two things we need to look at. One is projected production. But two, the other thing is perceived value. Right. Going back to what we kind of opened the show with um, in a startup. Right. Guys like Jefferson and Chase, you could potentially swap them for an elite quarterback at Superflex, an elite running back in one QB, whatever it might be, because they have that name value right? And while guys are hyped about Wilson and Alave and some of these other younger wide receivers, I think you'll find it a little bit harder to swap into a QB if you do all of a sudden find yourself in need of a quarterback or in need to rebuild. Maybe you're not getting quite as many firsts or quite early firsts for Alave and guys like that. So yeah, I think, again, it's it's all about what your particular league mates value different positionally, um, different players as, and also in between those tiers of wide receivers. So yeah, I, I would, I would need a first for sure.
0: Yeah. That one was definitely a smash, except the next one, a little bit more interesting It will go with you, Scott is, is Jefferson or Kyle Pitts, Devonta Smith and Jahan Dotson. He says 12 team, 11 starter, full PPR, no tight end premium.
1: Yeah. I'd still take the, uh,
0: the Jefferson side here pretty easily,
1: but I do think the, the starters, matter a little bit. You have to give that context. Uh, I saw a trade that was unrelated, but it was a Jefferson deal. Now they didn't give the context to how many starters it was. Obviously like in a start eight or a start nine, you're going to kind of lean towards the Jefferson side more aggressively because now you're kind of going away from the leverage in that deal. Because yeah, sure. You may get some extra assets, but in a start nine, what is really an extra late first? Probably it's something you have to package. So you have to go do more work to turn it into something useful in a start 11, start 12. Like some of these packages where you're getting three plus first, even if you really don't love the package, you have to kind of consider, Hey, I'm getting three starters or I'm getting three firsts in a deal. I saw one that didn't delineate which one that was, but someone gave up Jefferson. They got back Drake, London, Jackson Smith and Jigma and a first. And now I'm sitting here going, man, if that's a start 11, I, I would almost, tell myself I could take that trade regardless because I think I'm getting enough equity where it matters versus a start nine. I'd go, okay, that probably what you have to pay to get it done? So I think here, I don't like Jahan Dotson. A lot of people do. Um, He was pretty poor as a rookie uh, other than I think his reception perception just came out and talked about how Mm -hmm. awesome it was, but a lot of his metrics were pretty bad. I think he's wide receiver 21 ish, something like that, but not, not a good bet in my opinion. And then, I guess if you like the Kyle Pitts value and you want to hold on to that for a while, I mean, they don't create a lot of tight ends that are as big and move like he did. So, I mean, I think eventually Kyle Pitts will happen, but it may be four years until the whole situation flips and the passing efficiency goes up. And so I just feel like here's a window you can get him without having to pay this price. So I'd still take the Jefferson side here.
0: Yeah. I mean, you've got to really look at the league size. I mean, like to your point, if it is a 10 team league, start 10 or if it's a 12 team league start 8. When you get to this and you look at it it's a 14 team and you start, you know, you get to it where it's start 11, start 12. We really got to start so I mean Scott, if this one was 14 and you're in an area where, you know, you got to look at in that situation if you're starting three wide receivers now all of a sudden you're there's 42 startable wide receivers. So Dotson becomes a little bit more relevant, you know, like if it is only start, you know, 10 guys, I don't want Dotson in my starting lineup to your point like he is not show uh, i put a rebuild thing out today about all the wide receivers i'm trying to collect dotson was not on there and that was the biggest gripe people are like they they feel like just because somebody's young you got to go out there and buy that you know particular wide receiver yep well said all right the next one we have on here is a little bit more interesting we're looking at mark andrews Najee harris 12 team 10 starters full ppr again feels like feels like way too cheap for jefferson for me monk
2: This one tugs at my heartstrings a little bit because I am projecting a a pretty massive season for Andrews uh, with Monk, and I I do think we're going to see the volume go up a little bit closer to what we saw from Andrews in 2021. Um, I think Harris might be the holdup in this deal. Uh, Now, they didn't mention that if it was tight end premium, so I'm assuming it's not. Um, In tight end premium, I might be compelled to take that package, but In a regular PPR, I think I am still leaning Jefferson here. I'm a little more concerned about Harris, both with how Jalen Warren kind of ate into his workload a little bit last year and also just the overall efficiency in in Pittsburgh. So I'd lean Jefferson, but I do think this one's kind of close for me.
0: I like it. So moving into the second round, we get past Jefferson, we get past Chase. Now you got Lamb, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Waddle, A.J. Brown, Scott, when you're looking at these type of wide receivers, you know, this is that area where you're you're giving up, you know, you're, you're passing on a lot of the running backs that fall into that area. How do you look at startup values right now as far as the longevity? You know, we've had a, a switch in over the last couple of years about, you know, waiting on running backs. I look at the startups right now and some of the values you get a little bit later start to really add up. So what wide receivers in that area between Amon Ross, St. Brown, Waddle, A.J. Brown, Lamb, Wilson, who's that guy for you that really isn't valued the way he should be.
1: So I'll, I'll throw this out there. I did a show on uh, the destination dynasty show from a couple weeks ago, and I actually talked about how I think this could, or this will, this will be, at least this is what the data says. This will be the trap zone that gets a lot of people in trouble when they're drafting receivers. This second round of startups where you're going, man, okay, chase Jefferson, a lot of quarterbacks are gone. You're really deciding between, do you want to go elite tight end, elite running back, or you're going to see all these receivers go off in the first two or three rounds, right? You're going to see Garrett Wilson, Lamb, A.J. Brown, Waddle, amon Ra, Chris Olave, all the way down to T. Higgins, Devontae Smith, Drake London, D.K. Metcalf. There's that pocket of mm-hmm. all these guys that are considered like the next tier, and some of them are the next tier because they're, you know, that 10 to 15 percent below the chase in Jefferson, but still damn good. And then you got all the young guys that are all 24 and under, but they've been pretty good thus far. So we have to put them up in that range. Probably a really good bet that most of those guys in that range are going to be disappointing relative to what you're expecting. I think these are more like doubles or triples on your team. But if you really look at them compared to the next tier of not just the old guys, not just the Diggs, Tyreek, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, like that's four difference makers. So if you're willing to eat that age, like those are better picks. So if you can get a plus just exploiting the fact that, well, Amon Ross St. Brown is young and Stefan Diggs isn't pretty good bet. You're going to get the better receiver for another year or two. And then what can that extra value do for you? But then you go down a a tier further. And I think what separates this tier from the ones that are a tier below is a lot of times just their quarterback efficiency. And that's why I'm a little bit skeptical of like Chris Olave because what did I say earlier? The guys that have shown that they can stay in this range usually can earn that on their own, but what elevates them and keeps them here, it isn't anything they can really control. And then you look at someone like Derek Carr, we have a decade sample of Derek Carr and how he can relate to his receivers, not saying he's a bad quarterback, but he is not an elevator. He is not going to take a top 12 receiver and push him into the top four or top five. But there are some quarterbacks. I think there's a reason to Garrett Wilson is he's the one people pick out Mm because if you get the old Rodgers back combined with what Garrett Wilson did, he's the one you could see. Okay, I can see elevating Garrett Wilson into A.J. Brown, C.D. Lamb territory easily. But he was better than those guys even early on. Like right away, he was just as good as those guys. So I can see him being the one that jumps into that range. A lot of the others, Waddle, Devontae Smith, and T. Higgins, I lumped them all together. They're all, all of them are missing one of those components. You know, they're all they They're not complete receivers and that's not saying they're not good, but they're all missing a component. Hence all three of them had a better receiver join their team the first year after they were where they were. And the team goes "Oh, we need to get somebody better, you know? So I think those are all just kind of, you're hitting doubles. If you draft those guys, I don't want to draft Chris Olave in the middle of the second round of a startup. It's just a, it's a bad bet in my opinion i bet on garrett wilson to long wind answer your question
0: it has created a crazy value right now looking at the adp kyler murray's adp right now is 212 that that's absurd. You know, mm-hmm. Dak Prescott is 211. Bryce Young is 210. You know, and I know we've been touting since January. Yes. Like sometimes we double count, like we knew Garrett Wilson was going to get, I mean, the writing was on the wall that Aaron Rodgers was going to be there where there was going to be some sort of quarterback upgrade. But yeah, all three of those guys have become absolute values in that area. It, it's, it's just crazy to me. Let's move into the, the fifth round area where, you know, this is where a lot of people, you can win or lose your, you can lose your draft in round one or two, but we really start to make some headway in that in that fifth, sixth round. And there's a lot of wide receivers really go in this area. You know, there, there's, we look at Jordan Addison, Quentin Johnson's going in that area. Uh, we're looking at Jerry Judy, Debo Samuel, and then your boy, Michael Pittman. So let, let Michael Pittman, someone that's getting a lot of extra hype. I know we talked a little bit. Tell me why you're not buying in. Also, Traylon Burks in there, but tell me why you're not buying in on, on Michael Pittman with Anthony Richardson now as the quarterback.
1: So it's not that I don't think Michael Pittman's good. I think he's in the same range as a lot of those guys you mentioned, but you really just have to kind of look at him as if you're making a dynasty bet and he's going off the board right in the same range of all those guys you mentioned and Addison, Johnston, Christian Watson. You you can argue you're not even sure how good those guys are, right? Especially the rookies. You've never seen them. But I think with Pittman, and I'll give a shout-out to uh, J.J. Zacharison for this. He did two deep-dive shows back-to-back talking about rushing quarterback production for their weapons and then rookie quarterback production for their weapons. And Pittman's going to have both. Now, in two years, could he survive? And Anthony Richardson ends up being good and then he's right back to where he is right now, sure. I I think it's a very good bet that Michael Pittman struggles to hit a top 30 season this year. And fair or not, he's also a free agent. So again, you're not really sure what are the Colts' plans with him. They could sign him, and then two years from now, you could go, man, I wish I would have bought all that Michael Pittman when he was low because Richardson was struggling. the, The signals just don't point to him having a good season. And if I know that already, given how flat this tier of receivers are, do you really want to bet on him over the other guys in the range? You know, like essentially I look at DJ Moore as a better than Michael Pittman historically, but I kind of am like I'm willing to bet on DJ Moore this year more than Michael Pittman. So the trajectory I think is going to be a little more in favor of a guy like DJ Moore. Same with Jerry Judy, same with Brandon Ayuk. Like I think all those guys you could say, man, I, I like their situation better in the short term. And that's all I care about. You know, it's perception. If I'm going to be holding one of these receivers midway through the year, which one am I going to have more flexibility with? Forget about the production. Which one is there a chance where the market's just like, I got to have that guy? It's just probably not Michael Pittman. So I'm just not really interested. I've shipped all my Pittman shares off, but that's not, I don't think he's good. Just gambling that I'll buy him, be able to buy him next year. And he, he is what he is. He's one of these receivers that's never going to probably be better than top 20. So he's just a placeholder. I need to have enough of them to get by, but I'll play the, the short term market year to year on them.
0: Yeah. And I feel like we almost, we were buying in on that hype last year, you know, and he had a solid season. But again, we're, we're trying to be in that area. I saw my man, Jeff Bell, put out a, a tweet today. It's like, is Michael Pittman Jr. a star in the NFL? 30% of, you know, Twitter said yes. You know, if you can get that 30% and you can get a little bit extra, go ahead and do it. The trade sent in from Taylor underscore Harmon was he got, George Pickens in a 24 second for Pittman. Now Pickens is in that next tier down. He's in that, sit. you know, I know a lot of people are really off of him based off a lot of things off of reception, perception and, and things like that. But if he comes to you today and they say Pickens or a 24 second or Pittman, which side are you taking?
1: Man. I'm absolutely think George Pickens is bad. So that's yeah. a tough one for me to say, like, I think I just banked it. I'll take the Pickens in the second side, and then I'm going. Okay, who can I flip, flip Pickens? Who can I flip Pickens for to somebody else? Yeah, man, the the Pickens numbers from last year they just don't track to be very good. I mean, at least this I did a heat map show that literally looked at a bunch of metrics, and everything tracks as like below average for him. And that's that was before the reception perception. But then yeah. I see that, and it's like, man, he's a little limited. I, I think he's just kind of steamed up because he is the classic X receiver on his team. Yet I think we get fooled by that a lot because people think, oh man, that's the guy that's going to be the alpha. Yet you see another guy in his own offense that clearly is pretty much better at everything than him and Deontay Johnson, who's cheaper. I know people don't like Allen Robinson, but I wouldn't be shocked if he comes in and he's getting, he gets 90 targets. You're going, why are they throwing the ball to that guy? You know, and it's, just, it's just probably not going to be a good bet for picking. So I would actually take the Pickens side and then try to dump him.
0: I mean, the narrative is Deontay Johnson's going two rounds later than George Pickens. Deontay Johnson coming off a season with, what, 147 targets, no touchdowns? That just doesn't happen. No one's ever had above 110 before, and he averages six and a half, you know, touchdowns a season, so that's something to bet in there. The crazy thing to me is Pickens has put himself, he's going over Traylon Burks, Terry McLaurin, Chris Godwin, Brandon Ayuk. I mean, those are some guys that have have a resume, that have the upside for the most part, you know, there's a little bit of a quarterback question here and there, but definitely in that, in that same value tier, you know, that I would I would much rather be moving that way. Uh Scott, sometimes when you do that, I mean, are you trying to? We talk about cascading trades, right? So if like I'm making that trade, if someone offers me that, right? I have Pittman, and someone offers me, you know, pickings in that second. Are you trying to make that trade ahead of time before you even accept that? Sometimes, like, hey, I got to start moving off of this. What can I get, you know, and add that extra ten percent? Is there a guy in my league that? You know, as a Steelers fan, as a Pickens guy, talk to me a little bit about that process that you're thinking because so many people come to me and they're like, Dad, you know, this guy offered me this, but I don't like this player. You know, and I keep talking about you're not buying players, you're buying profiles, you're buying production. You're not necessarily, you don't have to like George Pickens to get him in a trade.
1: Well, I'm going to plug this. I have no no affiliation with it, but it's uh, the warp tool that we use. It's uh, southharmonff.com and then it's uh, backslash warp southharmonff.com. there's a warp tool you can try it out you can look historically at essentially how our receivers and you can isolate receivers on there just find a standard PPR league and just look at the trends over the last 5 years you can just see crystal clear how flat it is at receiver so if you're asking me receiver 25 versus 35 I don't even care who the name is my mind immediately goes to what's the market am I getting the plus What's the market now? I play in a lot of leagues, so I'm also looking at my exposure on these players going like, okay, I already know I can isolate all these receivers, Pittman, Pickens, Dotson, any of the names we've mentioned in the last 10 minutes and say, relatively, they're all the same for the most part, not in terms of one is not going to be better than the other. Clearly there's variance from player to player, team to team impact on my team, where they fall amongst my team they're space eaters, they're placeholders. I'm probably looking at how many receivers I start, how many flexes I start, how many roster spots I have to carry. And I'm I'm wanting to have a certain number of these placeholder receivers, right? So then I zoom in, I go, okay, on this roster, I have seven of them. And I don't want to sit here and say, I know George Pickens sucks. So I don't want any shares in Dynasty. I know Michael Pittman's terrible. I don't want any shares. I probably want lower Pittman and... George Pickens than I do Jerry Judy and Brandon Ayuk, but it doesn't mean I want zero. So now I'm looking at, okay, what type of league do I have? If I get that trade, if I get the Pickens in a second, do I know I can go out there to the Steelers fan and trade Pickens and, and literally get another guy. Can I turn him into Marquise Brown in a second? Something like that. I don't even care who the receiver is. Can I build value using this placeholder slot on my team? And then the other thing, I think this is a great place. We don't talk about it in dynasty a lot, This is a great place to stack. So if you have 20 leagues and you're going, man, I don't even like Kenny Pickett, but it would make sense to put Pickens on the team. You have Kenny Pickett like DFS principles, fantasy footballers did a really good article a couple of years ago talking about the best places to stack and the highest correlation. Guess where it was wide receiver threes and quarterbacks. Not digs and Josh Allen. That's not really a good stack. It is, but you have to pay a lot and both of them are in your lineup regardless of who your teams are. Now, if you're in a start 10, you're probably going, man, I don't know if I can start Gabe Davis this week. He's a good stack if you have Josh Allen. So really I want to look at those places where I can stack. Am I forced to have Kenny Pickett here because that's my roster? Maybe that's the league I'm willing to keep the George Pickens share. Or vice versa. So looking at little things like that, even if you tell me, hey, I only have three teams. Ignore the advice on, okay, I'm managing a portfolio and you guys only have three teams, but understand the correlation. Understand what I'm saying, and it may apply in another situation where it actually lines up for you. So to answer your original question, I know I can be long-winded on these things, but this is the gain value zone. If I can find a person in my league that just loves George Pickens, then this is where I'm going to try to gain value using this roster spot because ultimately it's not going to be that impactful versus – 10 of the other receivers that I could pick in the same tier.
0: You came in saying, hey, I'm not just going to talk about player X and player Y value. I'm going to try to teach. And you have not disappointed. I mean, you were literally dropping out great content. I absolutely love it. This is that, like I said, one of those episodes you guys are going to want to listen to uh, over again among uh, that's something you've been talking about a lot, right? Is like we have those same value area guys. Who can I get on top? You know, sometimes you bring me back on reason where I'm like, I want this player out of, over that player. And you're like, who can I get more on top of?
2: Yeah, well, well, two quick things in response to what Scott said. First, uh, I guess this is just the J.J. Zacharyson love podcast because I, I also love his stuff. Um, he says a lot of stats very succinctly and, and gives you what he's found and also more of the high-level recommendations. And so going back real quick to the Pittman-Richardson thing, the, the one league that I traded for Pittman in was the league where I just drafted Anthony Richardson, right? where I said, well, what if this is, you know, he just outpaces everyone's expectations and becomes some elite passer right away. Hey, you know, I'll grab a share of Pittman and and see what happens, right? And two, um, kind of how I look at things is looking at archetypes, right? We talked about Pittman and Pickens, and, you know, Pittman kind of reminds me of uh, Mike Williams Light, right? So more of that boomer bust wide receiver three type where I don't see him ascending into that elite tier and going a further step with Pickens, right? He reminds me of the Steelers are great at drafting wide receivers. And he reminds me a lot of Martavis Bryant, who was a great boomer bust wide receiver three. And again, I think the difference is cost, right? Because at the time, you know, even with all the suspension issues, Martavis Bryant was going for a second round rookie pick. And Pickens, in a lot of people's minds, is worth a first round rookie pick. So that's where the the value difference is and where I would try to flip Pickens in such a deal if I were selling Pittman and really kind of going off of what you guys are saying, can I get similar production as a guy like Pickens who makes some amazing one-handed grabs, contested catches, and, and gets those highlight reel plays. But in terms of production week to week, how much more of, value or points are you actually getting than someone like Donovan Peoples-Jones or even Isaiah Hodgins, if you want to take it a step further. Now, obviously, Pickens has the draft capital and, and he has the hype right now. But when you look at it that way, can you keep, again, going back to what you say a lot, that cascading down, right? If you can get Pickens in a second for Pittman and then you can get another wide receiver, you know, get Donovan Peoples-Jones and a first for Pickens, right? Something like that, where all of a sudden you're building draft capital for wide receivers who are valued very differently, but maybe not to you necessarily.
0: I like it. Well, what Scott was saying is even going back to a Hollywood Brown. If you get Hollywood Brown in two seconds from Michael Pittman, absolute smash, except Scott, we we said you were going to come on the show. So guys in the Patreon were blowing up like they had so many questions for trades. So the first one sent in from Jason Aguirre and and this and Steve, Steve Olish, 87. They're both in smash, except Big-time trade here. Joe Mixon, Dallas Goddard, and A.J. Brown is on side one. Side two is Dulcich, Musgrave, JSN, Addison, and a 24-second that will be, we're going to call it mid in that area. Now, just to preface, all of our smash Accept leagues, 0. .25 PPC, 1.75 tight end premium. This is a little bit, a lot to unbox here. But like I said, side one, Mixon, A.J. Brown, and Goddard, size Side two, Dolchitz, JSN, Addison, Musgrave in a
1: second. Yeah, I mean, I saw this trade, and then I read the, the format that was below it. And I think in this, uh, people tend to overvalue receivers. I get the splitting the A.J. Brown for Addison and JSN. I mean, that's probably a pretty good process. But then you're looking at – you're kind of splitting – you know, a dollar for a bunch of coins going from Goddard to Dulcich and Musgrave in a second, and I think people really, really undervalue a guy like Mixon. Even one year of production, you know, when you look at the the warp graph for running backs in these 0.25 point per carry leagues, the guys that get a lot of workload, it's I mean, made. it's astronomical. They're the dominant flexes. So yeah, I mean, yeah, he's not the best dynasty asset, but you know, we're looking at a running back landscape where damn near 95% of running backs in dynasty are one-year bets.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Like there is, there are very few where you can go. Yeah, man, next year he's just going to be in the same spot that he was. You know, we saw two top five running backs, ETN and Kenneth Walker literally add two of the top four running backs in the draft class or two of the top five. And people are like, that would never happen. And then it does. So I think getting a guy like Mixon, if you just project him to be the starter, like I think he's, he's essentially what he was last year. Is he going to be RB six? Maybe not, but, point per carry. I love that. I like getting the positional advantage with Goddard. People know I'm not high on Greg Dulcich. I think he's a tweener tight end that, you know, you you can kind of miss me with his profile a little bit. I could see where you'd move off of Goddard for Dulcich plus, but it's probably not a second. And I'm still getting AJ Brown, which is the, you know, one of those semi difference making receivers. So give me the three. If you tightened up the the Musgrave in a second and made that a first, I could maybe be like, all right, I can stomach taking the four for three. Uh, But I think this was a good job to uh, throw in some spare parts and get a deal when you basically could have got three hammers in this
0: trade. Yeah. And you kind of disguise it there. Mixon's been at that eight, nine wrap and and I've been getting Mixon and Dalvin cook, which people are like, man, dad, your team's looking old. And I'm like, no, I'm getting production this year. You know, like those running backs are going to, they're gonna get the workload, especially in PPC. Mung, any anything to add on that trade? Oh, Scott, go ahead. You were looking no, at the
1: I was just gonna say it's interesting that we do that, and yet you could say, "Oh man, I I I, I hate having to take Dalvin Cook and Joe Mixon. I'd rather have, you know, Ramondre Stevenson and Javante Williams or J.K. Dobbins three rounds earlier." But then we can get to next year and we go, oh, man, that Ramondre and J.K. Dobbins are looking shaky. And and until they're out of the league, it's probably a pretty good bet that Joe Mixon and Dalvin cook are not ever looking shaky. They're either where they are or they're gone. There is no in between. There is no like, man, Joe Mixon just lost a step and he's the backup now. Like he's probably going to go from like the guy to Melvin Gordon or Zeke or Fournette, you know, where it's either hit or miss. There is no in between. And a lot of these other guys that people take earlier, it's like they're, Yes, they're young. I don't care about age for running backs. When you're in year three, year four, year five, like you were you subject to kind of getting pushed aside at any point. So I, I don't even care about, you know, the, taking those running backs. They're just phenomenal values to get those guys in round eight and round nine.
0: It was crazy. You look at it, again, referencing Bulletproof again, their ADP that they got from sleeper. I mean, you're looking at Cam Akers, Isaiah Pacheco, Zach Charbonnet all go before Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones, and Joe Mixon. It's just Not the process you want to buy into, right? Like that's you want to get the production, you want to kind of get it into that area. Mung, let's go back to the trade there. Anything else to add on on Steve Olish's side? Uh,
2: Not too much. I think this is a smash for me on the Brown and Mixon and Goddard side. Uh, To to go back to the analogy Scott used, I think you're selling a few dollar bills for some half dollar coins, and you can't even use those in vending machines. So I don't know why you would want that.
0: Yeah, there you go. The next one sent in from Sam Eichenlaub, another guy in the Patreon out to him. Um, He receives Chris Godwin, Cam Akers, and a 24 first for Drake London. I mean, Scott, this is kind of what we've been talking about before as far as this has the insulation of a 24 first, a guy like Godwin and Akers. Is this a smash except for you for the Godwin side, or are you taking the shot on London?
1: No, this is is exactly how you play the receiver market. If you think Drake London's season-long outlook isn't awesome, you kind of just take this value. Do I, I don't even really like cam Akers at all. He historically, he's been extremely bad. And then Godwin, he's another one of those where like, okay, can I move him for somebody that I like a little bit differently? But yeah. I think if you can get this back, if you can get this package for Drake London, I think I can take Chris Godwin and cam Akers, turn it into something else that I like. And now I'm sitting here going, man, I just moved Drake London for two firsts. Absolutely. And it, unless you've been really good, you're not worth more than two first as a receiver. Like you're, it's usually a good process to sell most receivers for two firsts. So um, I would take the the package there.
0: Yeah. Sam's an awesome guy. He said he did this where he was going on our year one punt. He listened to our podcast and, and was kind of, you know, seeing what he could do with that. He has (laughs) CD lamb, Garrett Wilson, Amon Ross, St. Brown and Burks already. And that 24 first, he said is projected top five. So that that's an absolute smash, except like he, he, he got him big time on that one. Um, You know, we have, couple more here that were sent in interesting one here guy wanted to know between drake london and t higgins so we were talking a little bit about where you were your thought process on t higgins we've talked about drake london scott i mean do you want t higgins as that number two in cincinnati who could walk after this year or do you think this is the year where where drake london breaks out i mean right now both of these guys are going in that same end of the third beginning of the fourth round very similar adp twitter had it almost right down the middle 53 46 47, you taking London or Higgins here?
1: It pains me. I do think Higgins ends up staying in Cincy, but I also think that kind of limits he where he can go. He kind of just is what he is, and he's really good. Like I think he's got a shot consistently to finish as a top 15 receiver, but his ceiling is probably also top eight at best, top nine at best. Now, he, to be fair, he does have that, hey, Chase could miss time and he has a better season than you expected, and it's kind of free value. Uh, that's a tricky one. I, I think you could argue both sides of it. Um, I don't think Higgins, if he were just to leave, let's say he leaves and then next year he's the big signing for you know, the Titans or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's great necessarily. Like I think he's part of – he's very good, but I think he's also kind of been elevated a little bit by his quarterback – So Just because he goes somewhere and he gets 5% more volume, that doesn't mean that he's going to be better for fantasy. In fact, he could be worse. Like You put him right now as the alpha on the Falcons, would you bet that he's better in the short term than he would be as the number two in Cincy? I'd still probably take him in Cincy over in Atlanta. So I think I'd go Drake London. I think there's more outs with Drake London. I think I have a longer leash with him even if he has a bad season, which I think it's pretty fair to project. He's not going to be a top 15 receiver this year but i also think if he's a top 25 receiver there's an excuse built in already you know i think higgins there'll be some just higgins fatigue he's solid okay but is he gonna have that demand to where you know there is outs with drake london to where next year you're going man everyone's got to get drake london they sucked so bad. They trade up for a quarterback. Now everyone has to have him. T. Higgins, oh man, he is what he is. He's just a wide receiver too, you know. So give me, give me London, give me the asset. I think I can do more with him.
0: I like that because there's the, the public perception on it, right? Like you're not you're not just talking player X versus player Y and their talent. There's the public perception of what people are going to think and and is that a guy they want to buy into? Mung, these are two guys that I know you you love them both. If you had to choose right now, who are you taking?
2: Uh, It's close. I have them ranked two spots apart in my Dynasty rankings, and I think it really comes down to your team build. Are you contending or are you perhaps retooling? Because 2023, I think Higgins is still going to be more productive. Um, We see a lot more pass volume in Cincinnati, and to Scott's point, I think he has a much better quarterback. Right. So I think if you're contending, I definitely want Higgins. But long term, I'm not so sure that they're able to keep him and still sign Burrow to the mega deal that he's going to get. And then looking at just this season, I just don't see enough volume, assuming Kyle Pitts is healthy, for Drake London to be more than, what, a wide receiver three, let's say, in PPR. Maybe he has a few big weeks here and there. But long term, I definitely want London. But short term, I don't know that his value is going to rise necessarily this coming season. So, again, it, it really depends on your team direction for this one.
0: I like it. A couple more questions. I want to be respectful of your time and make sure we get you out here, but I've just seen so many stud wide receivers are getting traded, you know, and a lot of these people right now seem to be, you know, I don't know if it. we, we get that right. We we do our rookie draft. and Then all of a sudden we try to over tinker sometimes and try to move it here. This one's before a rookie draft sent in from at dynasty moose, the 105 and the 108 or AJ Brown in a 10 team 0.5 PPR super flex. So, again, we're, we're talking about a premium asset. You know, a lot of people's wide receiver three, wide receiver four, for the 105, and the 108. What do you think, Scott?
1: Hmm. I think I'd still go A.J. Brown. Even though it's a half PPR, we don't know how many starters there are. I would tend to think in a 10-team, unless it's 13 or more starters, which most leagues are not 13 or more starters, even in 10-team you're really not talking about a deep league. If it's a 10-team start 10, that's equivalent of like a 12-team start 8. So it's actually pretty shallow when you kind of think about it. So yeah, I'd take the A.J. Brown side, especially knowing kind of what you're going to get at those picks. You're probably swapping A.J. Brown for two receivers.
0: Yeah, maybe, maybe you get Gibbs. Flowers. Yeah, if you get lucky, Maybe you get, get
1: Gibbs. But- maybe you get a quarterback. But even in a 10-teamer, I'm not overly excited to draft like C.J. Stroud there unless you just really need a quarterback. So I think I'd take the A.J. Brown side. But um, yeah, to be fair, if I have A.J. Brown, I don't know if I can expect to get a whole lot more because the person that's going to get JSN and Addison say, they're probably going to go, okay, I'll take my shot on the two.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, it has a lot to do with direction in that way as, as well. But yeah, um, if he comes to you and he throws a second on top of there, would that change it? Because a lot of people are coming to me now saying, I just throw us, you know, we used to always say a third round kind of sweetened it up. Sometimes in a, in a 10 team, a late second, people act like that's a sweetener. But you look at what you're going to get there. It shouldn't be something to close a deal on when you're dealing studs like this.
1: I'll just say this because we've talked a lot about this show, you know, Hey, throw in a second, throw in a third, you know, like the, a lot of these trades have little pieces thrown in like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think there's some merit to knowing your league and knowing I'm in a lot of leagues that are pretty active. And during the season, it is really convenient, especially if you have a little bit of a deeper league to have those extra seconds or thirds laying around, especially if you've kind of admitted, man, I know this pick in the future, it's a future second historically like the warp on draft picks outside of the top 15 or so is is basically negative and if you think about that from like a contribution to your roster standpoint it's a lot easier to use that second during the season understanding you're probably going to kind of piss it away but you may be able to buy a month's worth of like james connor spot starts Yes, which is is worth more than trying to draft a second round running back or a third round running back the next year and go, man, I hopefully that guy ends up being a guy that has a weekly role sometime during his rookie contract. So I think if you have a plan to use those extra picks, it's a good idea to accumulate them when you don't know what they're going to be yet with the goal of I'm using them during the season and they're going to be sunk costs. Now, if you're in a league where you tell me nobody in my league trades, I can send a trade on a Wednesday during the season and it won't even get responded to. That's probably not the league that's like so active that I know I can always go out and buy some points that week. That's probably the league where I go, man, I'm not giving up the stud because then I'm just going to be desperate to try to package a bunch of shit to get something better and it's going to be hard because the league's
0: not active. And then the picks are solid. It's just what they are. The funny thing about yep. James Conner is the last two years we ran a week 13 special where it was like, hey, let's buy these guys before the trade deadline. Both years, Mung and I were like, buy James Conner for a second. He's still worth a second. Like he's literally, that's just where he's hovered at depending on what it's mid to late in any of those areas, but he just puts up production. Uh, One more AJ Brown deal. And I want to talk a little bit about it because it's in the startup. Uh Banks, Banks Q's two 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 three two four said this was a startup draft where he got AJ Brown. It's super flex, start 11, 12 team, point two, point 0.5 tight end premium. It looks like he got the 208 and the 1008, which ended up being. He didn't say what the 10.08 was, but we're flipping it where the the other pick was 2.12 and 8.12. So when you're making draft picks, you know, this is something where a lot of people really struggle with just trading numbers without putting it in there. I always suggest look at your ADP, kind of get a, a formulated plan of what you're trying to get in that area. I mean, AJ Brown should not be falling to the 2.08. So I think, you know, moving up to get AJ Brown as opposed to it looks like someone took Eckler at the 2.12. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, the cost here. He ended up giving up, you know, the, the eight twelve essentially just to move up to the ten eight so he could get AJ Brown instead of that Austin Eckler area.
1: Yeah, I saw this trade and I'm like, yeah, that's kind of random. And it's the one of those trades where you probably make this trade blindly before not knowing what the players are there. But I could also justify making it the other way if there's a specific player that you're like, man, that's a tear break. I've seen some startups where like, you know even like Deshaun Watson falls to the mid second. Now on paper, that 205 is really not any more valuable than the 208. But if it's Deshaun Watson versus I don't want another quarterback until the third or fourth round, it's almost worth what the 109 or 110 was. So I think beforehand, I would take the 20, uh, the 20 or the 212 and the 812. But then on the clock, you're going, man, there's a big tier break. And obviously the value changed. So I, I think if it's for a specific player and you go, yeah, AJ Brown's the last of the tier. Then it's a drop off. Then okay, I can justify it because you can probably stomach those players at eight twelve and ten oh eight and go, man, those are really close. In fact, the guy I won at ten oh eight could have been the same player that goes at the eight twelve or vice versa, and it's just variance when you get to that point of the draft.
0: Love it, Scott. This has been a a blast. You know, like I could literally listen to hear, hear you talk about dynasty for hours. Like the way you break things down is like. It's even different. I mean, Mung and I do this all the time, but your, your, even your philosophy and how you break things down just adds another level to it. So we really appreciate you coming on here and you know spending your time here with Smash Accept. Again, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you, what you're working on, and same thing with you, Mung, after that.
1: Yeah, I appreciate both of you having me on. Uh, a lot of good questions, a lot of stuff we couldn't even get to uh, just because I do like to talk, so apologize. Maybe we'll do it again at some point and uh, I'll be able to fill in some more gaps on some of the people that ask some questions. Uh, but you can find all my content at Destination Devi and at Dynasty Trades in 5, Destination Devi on their radio feed or their podcast feed. Uh, some stuff's going to be coming out on Destination Devi where uh, I'll have some YouTube stuff coming out on there as well. Uh, so I know there's a weird difference between like the YouTube consumers and the podcast consumers and some of them don't always cross over. Uh, so there'll be some Destination Devi YouTube stuff and then uh, Trades in 5. We live stream every Tuesday night eight 30. If you like this show, like check out trades in five. Cause it's a lot of the same stuff. Like here's a trade, here's a trade. What are your thoughts? How do you break it down? So it's just like two hours straight, uh, of that. And then I do plug, I want to plug this. We are doing a five hour trades in five show on uh, June 17th, uh, 7 PM Eastern. So we're literally just going to live stream, answer questions for five hours, maybe have a little bit of content in between to kind of take a break from just the constant trade questions. But, uh, yeah, Dynasty Trades in Five on YouTube and Destination is where you can find pretty much everything I do.
0: I love it. We're on both, but you're right. There is definitely a difference between the podcast community and the YouTube. So if you guys aren't subscribing to our YouTube channel, I mean, that's kind of how we ran the Scott Fishbowl promotion. You guys should check that out, obviously, on Apple and everything else. Mung, I know you got a lot of things going on there, you know, in that classy living room set up behind you. <laughs>
2: Yeah, no, thanks, Scott, for coming on, because I think we break down a lot of things similarly, but with a a few different tweaks in terms of rationale and how we approach trades. Um, But always great to talk with you. Uh, You guys can find me on Twitter at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. I've got updated dynasty rankings coming out soon on fan tracks. Also a couple pieces on deep running back and wide receiver sleepers. And finally, I think we're starting a – Dynasty Trades Questions mailbag article on Fantrax pretty soon. So be on the lookout for that. If you guys liked hearing us break down trades, um, I will be doing some of that in written format.
0: Thanks again for tuning in, guys, and enjoy the process.